welcome to this Powder Blue podcast. Frank Close here with Jeff Mosher. And the World Series is headed back to Houston. The Phillies down three games two. Jeff Mosher, how are you doing today? Could be better, Frank. Could be better. Um, this has been an, an amazing World Series. Uh, it, it's I think it's been a reminder for all of us what a World Series is like as far as every pitch is like agonizing or joyous, you know, depending on what happens with the pitch and when it gets stretched out and goes to six and hopefully seven, it's just more of the same. And it's been a, it's a roller coaster. Um, it doesn't look good for the Phillies right now, oh, simply because of, of the pitcher that's staring them in the face game six and some of the approaches that they've been taking over the last two games at bat. But, uh, this is the same Astros team that lost two at home uh, to the Washington Nationals two years ago and blew it there. So there's a, a beam of light, I guess, Frank. Yes. Yeah, so the yes, the Houston Astros lost Game Six and Seven in 2019. By the way, the Astros are good at losing the World Series. They they seem to be. Have, they are. <laughs> they seem to have done that a lot lately. Yeah, they are. Um, and and not only that, if you remember that National Series. I hope hope the Phillies can sort of take a, a page. I mean, I think the Astros led in every game of that series, and the Nationals just kept coming back and coming back and coming back. So um, this series has been a little – well, not this is, series hasn't been carbon copy of that by any stretch of the means, but uh, you have seen the Phillies, you know, fight. Other than getting no hit, I mean, you've seen them, you know, again, you had a chance there in game five and just didn't didn't complete the mission. All right, but let's break down these last few games since we've got to talk last. So, so game three, of course, Phillies win seven nothing. Mm-hmm. Bats showed up in a big way. Home run, home run, home run, home run, home run. So, did that almost kind of set an I expectation know. that that's what they needed to be doing all the time, Jeff? Well, I mean, this has sort of been a home run, home run, home run team. Now, I I would agree with where you're going here. Is that if you look earlier in the playoffs right we were marveling at some of the small ball that the Phillies were able to play against the Cardinals and um, at times against the Braves I mean a lot of the Braves wins were because of the long ball too I don't want to discount that great pitching and and long ball but I do wonder if just jumping out on McCullers the way they did and maybe having a tell maybe not who knows but you know all the other balls that they've been hitting out of the park uh, if that kind of subconsciously, Frank, like got him into bad habits when they faced better pitching the next two nights. All right, so let's talk about then. Small ball's gone, right? You would agree with yeah, that. They have yeah, yeah. Terrible I, job of playing small ball. I mean, absolutely awful. Especially game five when there was yes. plenty of opportunities to play small ball and it just seemed like they were swinging for the fences. Right, right. Now, so back to your point about the, the tipping the pitches. Uh, you know, a lot of people have really broken it down. I think... I think who was it? Um, um, Eduardo Perez of ESPN and MLB Network Radio really mm. broke down what it was. And now it was not what people were sharing on Twitter, which was the <laughs> they, they they had a side by side of Lance McCullers in the stretch versus doing the full wind up. And they said, "Oh, look, he's tipping his pitches." Well, no, right. uh, it was not that at all. But but clearly that's what was going on. Uh, and the Phillies seemed to capitalize. Uh, so it seemed like their plan. I guess I guess that was a a good enough plan. If you saw them tipping like that, is they they knew what to look for and just went for it. Uh, maybe that maybe that explains the home runs. 
the the funniest thing about that that whole game and the whole tipping pitches thing was I think the broadcast crew was trying to describe it as well, right? Smoltz and um, Joe Davis, who I think are both really good, by the way. Uh, I'm surprised that people Smoltz seems Smoltz seems polarizing. I think maybe because he doesn't for the insight he adds, he doesn't have the energy. You know, he's he doesn't have a madness type of charm about him, but he's really good with his insight. But they were almost saying every time they were describing that they thought the, the Phillies might have a tell here, they went like bent over backwards to say that it's perfectly legal to do that. <laughs> we, know, we know that. We know, and I think that's probably because of the Astros history and the whole the cheating that's that's plagued the, 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 you know, the sport over the last few years. But it, it just it, it made me laugh about how, how many times they had to feel the need to mention that getting a tell on a pitcher is not cheating. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was funny. Yeah, so so I'm looking at Nick Punto. He, he pointed out simply that right-handed batters don't take advice from <laughs> left-handed <laughs> batters usually. It had to be <laughs> something true. like that for for it to even happen. But it's right. kind of it was, it's kind of fun watching Alec Boehm try to explain it afterwards. What did he say? Oh, nothing. <laughs> oh, you mean like in the middle of the? I, by the way, I really I have a the strongest disdain possible for the in-game interview like that. Like in the middle, especially in the middle of a World Series, where you're pulling a guy out, and you're asking him questions while the guy's about to throw a pitch. I like the mic'd up players in the All Star game. I like it in the preseason at times. That's cool and different. But the in game interview, and no disrespect to Ken Rosenthal, he's great, but I can't stand it. It just distracts me from my paranoia, and I I I I, am, I embrace my World Series paranoia and anxiety. I, I don't want it interrupted by that. And by the way, you're right. Alec Bowen was like, oh, uh, what, did, what did he say to me? Uh, that's a conversation that's just going to stay. I mean, what were you expecting him to say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he told me that when McCullers' leg kick is a little higher, it's a breaking ball. <laughs> Come on. I think I think it's it's pretty fascinating that given how out there it was during the game, you, you would have think that, that like somebody would say something to the Astros bench, right, along the way, or did <laughs> – well, also, like, why would he <laughs> – so, Harp homers, right, and the next batter is Castellanos. But he says something to Bohm. Why wouldn't he also say it to Castellanos? Well, Bohm was in the on-deck circle. That's how he was able to get him. So Right, but wouldn't you just kind of walk – you can still say something to the next batter. I mean, the next batter up is Castellanos. You could just, like, kind of whisper something in his ear on the way to Bohm, or I, I, you just – Castellanos could step out for a second. I don't know. It was just very odd to me. And then why wouldn't you tell everybody? I, the whole thing is bizarre to me. Um, but listen, it, McCullers would be the seventh game starter, right? I believe so. no. Be they, I would be shocked if they went Javier. Honestly, yeah, they should. They or, really, or, really or, should. or at the very least, give give each of them. I see. I don't know. Dusty Dusty Baker is oil, right? <laughs> He's so, nothing if not un- unpredictable, correct? Yeah. Yeah, but but I would expect you see Christian Javier in that game. Now let's let's talk about Christian Javier there uh, because of course the that no hitter um <laughs> just reactions to that game in general. Listen, that's the one where I think you just, you know, we can sit here and pick apart approaches at bats, but he he was fantastic. I mean, he he has great movement. He has really filthy stuff. For a guy who doesn't really throw 99-100, I mean, he kept them off balance. I do think that the night before probably probably got into the the Phillies' minds. I mean, you'd, you'd have to be in their heads to know that, but it's hard to face one type of pitcher and then a completely 
different type. But, I mean, Christian Javier is a really good pitcher. And, by the way, that's sort of the story of the series is that as confident as we might have felt after game one or after game three, um, the the Astros' collective ERA for a team this year was 2-9, I think. It was under three. Ugh. And if you don't think that that's incredible and insane, then you haven't paid attention to baseball. I mean, I know it's been a pitcher's league the last year or two, but that is still – some phenomenal numbers. And we talked about this when we did our last podcast that the big uphill climb for the Phillies is that, you know, offensively, I think they matched up well bullpen. They were the way they were using their bullpen matched up well, but the the strength of the Astros staff in that some of these guys could come out of the, of a bullpen if need be and be in the bullpen was really their wild, their X factor, their wild card. And so far that's held true. By the way, I just want to say this too about the Astros, right? So it's been, a while since Jeff Luno was let go as general manager, but I'm really impressed with with how they've done business. Now, both Javier and Framber Valdez, these are guys that were that were signed as free agents older than mm-hmm. the usual age. Right. Now, usually, if somebody's not signed by 16, you think, ah, I guess you know it's not there's they're not a prospect anymore, but. How shrewd is it to have picked up both arms as older free agents and to get what they've gotten out of them in Major League Baseball? Really shrewd. And it's the reason why, if you look at what they're doing, they're sort of pitching pipeline, right? They were able to let Garrett Cole go. They were able to let – who else was on that that World Series staff? Charlie Morton? Charlie Morton. Yeah, they let those those guys go, and then they had – you know, they were able to bring in Verlander, who's been great for them and finally had a good a World Series win. Uh, and they're going to be able to let Verlander go. I, is this his last year? I yep, believe it is, right? But he's just going to walk away and they've and got they're going to be absolutely fine. Right. And don't they're forget ha- Carlos Correa. Right. They can let him walk because they had Jeremy Pena. There you go. A- absolutely. And you know what? There's probably another someone or two in the next two years that is probably going to, you know, be gone. I don't know how many years Goriel has left. He's a little bit older now and his his power is gone yeah yeah his power isn't what it used to be and uh you know they just keep plugging away Jordan Alvarez was not a big I don't even think he was on their World Series team correct no he was acquired from the Dodgers in exchange I think it was Josh Fields (laughs) oh that's right yeah that's right Josh Fields that's when you know that's like the the best left-handed hitter in the AL (laughs) oh my god yeah yeah, so they're good. they've been excellent. Now, you know, not that we're going to go into the history of the Astros, but what really kind of started them as a recent powerhouse is, if I'm not mistaken, it wasn't Luna. Who was before Luna? Who came over from the Cardinals? Didn't they have like? Didn't they basically hire the Cardinals staff? And then the Cardinals, there was a controversy between the Astros and the Cardinals, wasn't there? One one was stealing the other's notes. Yeah, that, that was that was a thing. Uh, yeah, but that was all about uh. That was through Lunau, right? Uh, because, um, right? That was that was him too, right? Uh, was it, man? That guy has really been in a lot of controversies. Yeah, hacking scandal, and then he ends up losing his job on the trash can scandal. So. Yeah, yeah. But man, but but, I mean, not not to dismiss any of that, but. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> but yeah, really, I mean, they were trying to be. They, what the Astros were trying to do was sort of bring a St. Louis Cardinals talent development approach to their organization. And it has worked. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so so they're they're big too. Uh, I guess the the Valdez and the Javier starts. I think they're going to be the things that that really 
or they're also the new Astros, right? I mean, that's that. This is not the 2017 Astros. Uh, five of the current Astros were on that 2017 team mm. with the trash can banging, uh, but so, but 20 of them are different, and uh, right. we're definitely seeing the next generation of Houston Astros here. Now, what do you think about your buddy Hector Neris? Hector Neris has been Hector Neris. He's been good. <laughs> I mean, I was every time he comes in, I'm kind of waiting to be validated, but. I have not been. I thought um, they'd get to him once. I mean, there's still I time for too. that. There is still time for it. There's still time, especially in a potentially, you know, game six or seven closeout there where you think that you got it in the bag. So we'll see. We'll see. I think the big question, Frank, going into game six and game seven is this. All right. You've got Wheeler. I think Rob Thompson said that he has, you know, he's going to go with Wheeler, but he's going to make Suarez available, or is it Nola he said he'd make available in game six? Well, Suarez he sort of starts seven. That's what I thought, but then I thought I heard him say in his press I imagine conference, Nola's going to be available for something. I mean, you can go Nola either game. I mean, honestly, right, right now the only the only pitchers that are going to be unavailable for game six and seven are going to be whoever's starting the other day, the opposite right. day, right? I mean, right. unless unless you unless you feel like you got to Zach, he doesn't have it, and you got to go uh, Ranger, and then then you then you come back with Nola the next day on short rest just just to right. That's what that's what Thompson said. Thompson did say that Ranger Suarez is available in relief for Game Six, which would mean Nola would start Game Seven. Yeah, I mean they, they, you're at the point where you actually. Uh, so I'll, I'll just get the uh, the quote here. So, um, so Thompson said Suarez would be available out of the pen in Game Six if there is a spot they need him, right. and then that would put Aaron Nola in short rest in line to start Game Seven with the pen behind him. But man, you just, still expected you you to get... start Game Seven unless they right. need to use I... him tomorrow. You just hope he can get seven out of Wheeler, and he's got the extra rest. Now, I think it's fair to wonder if, you know, the dead arm he's dealing with or if there's something more and they're just not – I mean, if it was really bad, he wouldn't be pitching. But um, he's obviously been hampered. His velocity has been down, and they need him to be throwing 97-98 game six or else it's going to be a real uphill climb. Now, the Suarez thing came with the – was was prefaced by saying Zach Wheeler's bullpen was fine. So yeah, don't yeah. know what you're gonna get though. That's that's kind of the problem. Uh yeah. I mean, I I just don't know how much they're gonna say, right? What, what, yeah. what was he gonna say? If it was bad, is he gonna say, "Yeah, hey, it was not so good"? Or I mean, I think the only re- way you would be suspicious if they said, all of a sudden said, "You know what? We're gonna bring Wheeler out of the bullpen and start Suarez in Game Six," but they're not doing that. So. Yeah, well, it, it seems like he's open-minded just to, to get through him. Because, again, the only one that would not be available on either day would be whoever started the day before or, who, or who's going to. So if he's taking the approach that we'll worry about Game 7 when we get to it, <laughs> then yeah. I, mean, Look, I guess it was Nola a, would not be available for six. It was a really prescient statement at the time. Smoltz said it, I think, in Game 1 or 2 where when he said that if the Phillies were to win the World Series, this would be the most improbable team in the history of the sport to have won the World Series. Face, you know, and I'm sure that covered everything they had been through to get there, and then also what they had to confront in the Houston Astros and some of the you know areas where the Astros were just superior. And that, you're looking at it now as they need to win these next two games, and he's right. <laughs> the Phillies win the World Series. They will. Have, it would have been one of the most improbable runs, maybe even more so than when the Nationals won it. Yeah, I think that's fair to say, but uh, let's talk for a second about what went wrong offensively, because it seems like the the offense that's been quiet 
for the last couple of days seems to be the real issue. And we talked about the Houston Astros having no lefties in their bullpen at all. So yep. when a righty starts, it's all righties. Now, has that has that been what's really hurt the Phillies' right-handed bats? Because two games in a row, you have hitless Reese Hoskins, GT Romuto, Nick Castellanos. So I think it's – and I'm, I'm really curious about your thoughts too. I think it's a little 50-50 here. I think that, you know, Reese Hoskins is struggling. If not for the home run ball this post-playoffs, I mean, he's not really doing anything else. He's swinging – he's taking good pitches, swinging sometimes at bad pitches, and we have seen Reese Hoskins do that often throughout his career. So to say that, you know, it's where he's hitting in the lineup or how the batting order – no, no I, I don't think that that's the case. Um, however, on the flip side, I I would really hope that Thompson would consider – batting Bryce Harper third and Real Muto four. If you want to leave Castellanos five because you think he had better at-bats there in game five, all right. I mean, I would have, you know, we talked about this. I would have flip-flopped him and Baum, but it's not like Baum is hitting that much better. He's just having better at-bats. But I really think there's no reason that your best hitter shouldn't be batting third in this lineup against all right. When he's left-handed and he's Bryce Harper and it's all right-handed pitching. I do think that if you're going to be aggressive strategically with your pitchers, you're okay, it's okay to be aggressive strategically with your lineup and not just say this is the lineup that got us here. Yeah. Because you can make the argument this is the lineup that now has us in a in a do or die situation. But it really wasn't. It was only when Harper came back from injury that he started to separate him a little bit. Yep. And and it and of course it took Harper a little while to get going after he came back from that injury. But right. And I have no but, problem with Schwarber leading off, and I have no problem with Reed Hoskins batting second, living with the, the lack of hits that he's getting right now and on base. But I really would like to see Bryce Harper batting third and Real Muto fourth. You yeah, agree I, I've never loved Hoskins second, but, I mean, uh, it's, what, it's what you have at this point. So I would, I would love – see, I would – I don't want to start talking too much all, off season, but, you know, if they do, if they do spend their money on, on instead of Segura and Hoskins and get a Trey Turner or somebody – that's who I want back in second. Of course, of course. So. Listen, I, I agree with you on that. I just, I'm not trying to make wholesale changes to the order right now. I'm trying to make strategical changes that, unless you think, Frank, right now, Reese Hoskins batting two is so detrimental to the offense as opposed to Segura, then, then if that's your argument, I, I can listen to it and understand it. But that feels like a wholesale change to take a guy who batted like what eighth this year, put him at or this series, put him second and then try to figure out where you're going to put Reese and then move that guy into a different spot. I just want to flip-flop Harper and Real Muto get, to get the extra at-bat. Uh, you don't have to worry. If you have two lefties in one inning, it's okay because all they got is right-handed relievers. You know, It's not like you're worried about, oh, they're going to bring in this guy and then just have him for an inning, and then we get a chance to bring in another guy. You know. Well, to me, Hoskins, I, I, it just seems like – now here's the crazy thing. So he is third in the league in pitches per plate appearance. And yesterday when they had the bases loaded, he went up hacking. And <laughs> I, I, I just I, – I, it's hard to say. I mean, yeah, the numbers say what they are, but it just seems like, you know, when the pressure's on, he just – he's somebody else. It does. Yeah. And, I mean, well, the pressure's always on in the playoffs, though. I mean, and, and he's had some big home runs, right? That – 
I mean, I get what you're saying. Obviously, there's more pressure in the eighth and the ninth inning than there is in the first, second, or third. But some of the wins that they've had, you know, are because he's been able to bang the ball out of the park early and and take the momentum. Yeah, I I, I just did not love that at bat. He's not batting 169 on the postseason. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, no, you're you're 100 right. That was a terrible at bat with the bases loaded, and that that really ch- could have changed the course of the game. Now, some but he's people not the like, only one. Now, I have to say too, because you know, I, I I keep saying it that as Reese Hoskins goes, so goes the Phillies, right? But uh, you know, to me, that was the key at bat. And I, I know some people came back at me on Twitter were like, "Well, what about Stott? Or what about?" Know typical what aboutism? I guess the yeah, ones that, that yeah. are going to you know uh, make excuses. Yeah, well, for it's Austin. not like you're saying other people aren't culpable either. But that right. was a significant time in the game to, and again, that could have altered the entire course of the game because I didn't think Berlander was great. He was good, but he was hittable. He certainly was not as good as Christian Javier or Framber Valdez, and they had an opportunity there, especially with his reputation, no World Series wins, high ERA. You get a good at-bat there, you score a run, and the guy might unravel at that point. I mean, it was a really pivotal moment in that game. And who was it who popped up with a runner at third less than... Marsh. Who else was it, Marsh? Yeah, I really... Yeah. Uh, anything, anything but a little pop-up, you know? <laughs> I know, I know. Man, and look, Castellanos is grinding. I, you can tell he's he's... He'll come to the plate and he'll swing at the stupid slider outside and go 0-1 and then, like, hit himself on the head and realize he's been doing that all year. And then the next two or three, his his eye has been good on the, the next two or three pitches, right? He'll take the breaking ball, it'll be low, and he'll work himself back into a good count. And he's starting to make better contact and bring the ball to the left side of the field instead of just, you know, fly out to right or poking it. But he's not doing enough right now. His at-bats aren't good enough. Yeah. That, I still think he's got better better baseball ahead of him. I mean, he's... His regular season, he had the lowest home run total since his rookie year in 2014. I mean, yeah, you ex- you expect him to to make more contact and to, I I don't know, I it's a shame because before before game four, mm-hmm. I was on uh, um on the honorable mention podcast just chit chatting with with Matt Rogers and uh, um you know <laughs> I said hey well over the next two games I mean he is hitting 222 in the playoffs. He'll get a couple hits over the nine at bats the next couple days, and no, he went over. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, he's got to have something left in that bat for this series, right? Yeah, I, I guess your law of averages theory did not work, but no, it did the not. The thing about the law of averages <laughs> theory is that it keeps going. So the more he gets no hits, the the closer you to get to that getting that hit, that breakthrough hit, which I really thought was going to come, uh, you know, obviously uh, Thursday night, but uh, late when in his last at bat. And he put good, he you know he put a good swing on it. He just did not get the desired result. So here's 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 the the positive from yesterday, right? I mean, overall in the game that you expected to have the most trouble pitching, mm-hmm. the Phillies allowed three runs. Right. That's that's good. I mean, it doesn't matter now. Well, yeah. <laughs> You're not going to see Noah Syndergaard again. Um, and, uh, and, so I I don't know I mean it's you know they just have to get back on track offensively that that to me is a key yes to your, to your overall point yes I think Philly's pitching and bullpen for the most part has been really effective and good and God I mean out of nowhere 
Connor Brogdon has become someone now you look at and say, all right, if he's in the game, we got we're, we're good here. Like he can get out, and that's been a really nice development uh, yeah. from where we were two weeks ago. Really, holy crap! Did you see the movement on his pitches? I was <laughs> honestly, well, I mean, I mean, the conspiracy theorist in me was like, what's he doing? Like, how how'd that happen all of a sudden? You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he he was doing great. He had that bout with COVID that knocked him off course, and then he just mm-hmm. hasn't been good to like a week and a half ago. Yeah, and it's just like it was like a finger snap. So I'm hoping with like Wheeler, you know, hoping to just bam, get I the mean, extra rest, comes back, and you're good. But that's encouraging, at least knowing that you need good arms in six and seven. I mean, if he can give yes. you an inning each day, if you need him, I yep. mean, that's that's really encouraging, right? Absolutely, a hundred percent. Because I, I've always, I, I think we talked about going into this series that right now their bullpen, the most reliable guys are the obvious, Alvarado and Sir Anthony Dominguez. And it's really hard to win a series if you don't have at least a third guy, a seven. You know, you want a seven, eight, nine, figuring that your starters can get you six or five, and then a one bridge guy that you feel comfortable with. And right now he's been that 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 guy, a, a bridge guy, a long guy, whatever. He's he's filled multiple roles and he's good. And if you let's say you're fortunate enough to get Wheeler to go six on Saturday, right? Then and you're up, say let's say you're up four one, you might feel comfortable going Brogdon in the inning in that in that case before you get to Alvarado and and Sir Anthony because you really if you're winning and you think you have Game Seven in mind. You want to win the game without using too much of Alvarado and Dominguez because you're going to want them game seven. You're going to have to. I mean, it's all hands on deck, but you want them as fresh as possible. Yeah. So, but I, 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 again, I think the big key for me these next couple days, Zach Wheeler, what do you got? I mean, I, it almost sounds like they're not expecting much and, and you could see Ranger come piggyback him really early if you absolutely need to. So like like what does that mean? How, how do you think they're only expecting? Th- let's say they they get three quality innings out of Wheeler, and then in the fourth, you know that that would be uh, the second time around the order, and you you, you know you're going to have Jordan Alvarez up in that, or or maybe uh, you know Kyle Tucker up. You're going straight to Suarez there. Well, I'm I'm more I'm more worried. You're not going to get that even a few quality innings out of Wheeler. Like if if, if what like what is wrong? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We we still don't know. Understandable. Uh-huh. I mean, he did get hit in the leg, but they're talking. They they say it's general fatigue. Uh, we mm-hmm. know his velocity was down last time, so I I don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, I mean, if you look at his last outing, he gave up the three runs in the first, right? And he got hit pretty hard, which is not uncommon for good pitchers in the first inning. That's that's usually when you can kind of get to him, and then he put him down second, third, and fourth. And then he uh, he ran into a little trouble in the fifth. So I I don't know if that's I, I don't know I don't know if he just had a bad outing or if he's I know the velocity was down and that's that's obviously a big thing. But he gave you he gave you five innings that game. So I mean, am I crazy to think that you're only going to get three? When, when you're saying like you're hoping they get three out of him when they already got five last time and he's on an extra day's rest too, really. Um, I, I I'm just I, worried something's something's wrong. Okay. And, you know, I, I, the, the fact that they would even give him the extra day's rest instead of pitch yesterday. Although, he would have pitched well yesterday. They still weren't going to win, I feel like. But Right. Yeah. Well, do you I, think I, I that that know. was that, influenced that, by them being – Do you think that that decision was influenced by them going up 2-1? to one? 
because they had to make that decision on who to start in advance. Yeah. So you're saying that if they if if they were to give, I mean, listen, I know Wheeler's hurting, but I'm saying if they felt like he was fatigued and it's nothing more than that, and they're up to one, so let's give him the extra day because the worst we'll do is be down three two. But they probably felt that was the worst case scenario, and then we have three two Wheeler. I, as opposed to making the kind of decision to say, let's start him in game five. I'm just trying to think like their decision making at the time being up to one. I don't know. It's a good point. So here's here I'm looking at MLB.com. Todd Zalecki posted something last night, and when they asked him about it, Wheeler's like, "Hey, it's the end of the season. Everything's barking. You know what I mean?" Yeah. And like, was that extra day of rest going to help you? Time will tell. Wheeler said. Yeah, that didn't. That doesn't. I, sound I don't love bad. that answer. I don't. I don't love it either. I don't. I definitely don't. Well, I mean, I don't. He doesn't even sound that confident himself. Yeah. That that's fair. You're right. I, and I'd rather again, he said. That, I, I rather he say like, oh, of course, at the this time of year, everybody's a little tired, but give me the damn ball, right? You know what I mean? Yes, yes, yeah, I agree with you on that, and that's a little nerve wracking. And then, sort of, now you're thinking in retrospect. I, I don't think I would have expected Thompson to say Ranger Suarez is going to be available game six, right, in relief yeah. if we need him. Because I assumed he was definitely the game seven starter, but now Rob's kind of speaking with, uh, we just need every all hands on deck reinforcement, even though we have our ace on the, our quote unquote ace on the hill. So that does now that I put all, it's like the, it's like the last scene in usual suspects when Palminteri sees everything around his office and it's like, Oh my God, I just realized Kaiser Sose was right there in front of me. You know, now I'm, I'm putting these things together and thinking, Oh man, is that, is that, is this worse than we even think? <laughs> But let's let's be honest about this. If the Phillies need to get through 18 innings of pitching, they probably have enough arms to do that because everybody literally is available. Everybody is available, and and everybody is pitching fairly well. I mean, that's that's the one thing that you can be happy with so far. So then it really even Kyle Gibson, right? I mean, he came in yeah. there and gave you some some some. He effort. was warming up yesterday. I noticed at one point. Yeah. So, but here's my question then. So. I kind of think then, I, and whether whether Wheeler's there or not, if we agree that you can get through 18 innings, this is going to come down to the bats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially against Framber. Now, they've seen him twice now in a matter of what, three weeks? Yeah. All right. You've seen the guy twice. You know what he does. You know what he throws. Make contact. You may have to shorten up your swings a little bit. You know, you got runners on base. If you're Tom... Topper, if you're seven eight nine, right, and your seven guy leads off of the walk, you may bunt your guy over. I got no issue with that. You got to do something to force the issue. Well, I think that's. Do you think? Do you think uh, Brandon Marsh will sit? By the way, do you think they'll start viewing in that I game? I think they already kind of indicated they're going to put their righties in, which would be Sosa and uh, and Veerling. I wouldn't take Stott out. I know he's not hitting well. I don't. I. Don't, I I like Stott. I like his at-bats. I just think that – isn't he leading the postseason in pitches seen per at-bat? I thought I, I read yeah. that. Yeah, he, he has. And actually, our uh, – <laughs> um, Earl Watford, you know, the former NFL player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, like, he, he was tweeting the other day. He's like, hey, man, give me Stott. <laughs> you know, he said, I, I'll take his I'll take his at-bats any day of the week. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you disagree with that? Would you still no, start? No, I agree with it. I, I retweeted it in agreement. My retweet did mean an endorsement on that particular okay. instance. But, <laughs> there you uh, go. But yeah, no, no he, I would start stop. Earl Watford's been fun to talk baseball with uh, <laughs> this postseason. <laughs> so. 
Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that. I had no idea that you were uh, twi- Twitter buddies with Earl Watford. <laughs> yeah, well, he followed me for some reason. So, but 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 yeah, he's been he's talking a lot of uh, talking a lot of baseball. So of course, what Simon Gratz grad, right? So is that where you went, Simon Gratz? That sound right? Might or did I make that up? Yeah, that sounds right. That's where Rasheed Wallace went. Yeah, so did my great aunt like forever ago. But let me see here. Yeah, Simon Gratz. Yeah. So, yes, it will come down to the bats. I would start Stott. I'm not going to kill him if he starts Sosa. Uh, I get it. You want to stack the righties. It's fine. I just think that Stott's at-bats, even in outs, have been very good. He's had better at-bats in outs than some guys have had when they than, than Castellanos when Castellanos is getting a hit. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to see if I can find him confirming that he was going to do that, but I, I, I don't uh... – But it would be, you know – like you said, Hoyle, like it would be like kind of what he's been doing. So against so I mean, Framber Valdez, of course, was ridiculous in 2022. Lefties batted 192 against him. Righties not that much better, only 229. See, that's why because if again, if there was such a disparity, if right-handers were so much better against Valdez, then I think you could make a strong argument for going with Sosa and saying, look, it's all in the data and the analytics and everything, but it's. To me, I'd just rather have the guy who's been consistently out there seeing pitches, <clears throat> although he yeah, probably hasn't seen a lot of left-handed pitchers, but I, I, I just like his at-bats right now. All right, well, listen, Jeff, this is going to come down to the bats. It will. I guess we will reconvene, hopefully no sooner than Monday, right, to <laughs> talk <laughs> talk about this. But uh, So, you know, I, I personally hate, hate predictions, but uh, – Oh, let me just ask you this. Do you think this goes seven? Hmm. Does this go seven? God, my I really hope so. Um, I want to believe. I can't be I can't can't sit here and tell you I'd be shocked if it did not though. So I mean, Framber's tough. This uh, they're, they're battling it uphill. I'd be surprised if it went seven, Frank, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think I think the odds definitely favor the Philly, uh, the uh, Astros at this point. Can the Phillies do it? Absolutely, they can. But it's all going to come down to the bats. And after the last couple of days, I'm not sure I'm all that confident. I hear you. I understand. All right. Well, let's check back on Monday, Jeff. Hopefully, we'll we'll have good news to talk about. But one more game left, at least potentially two. And hey, it's November fourth, and the season is not over yet. So. Be grateful for that, right? Nothing like that November classic, Frank. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. All right. Well, we'll catch you later for now. Frank Close, Jeff Mosher. Enjoy game six.